Welcome to Stories of COVID, the interview project that explores what it's like to experience a global pandemic. I never thought I would see this in my lifetime. It is scary and it's very real, but it's not hopeless. As I said, I changed three planes. None of them were wearing any gloves or masks. I've never seen so much support for freelancers or artists in the in the media um, as I have now. They both laid me off from just the advent of the, the outbreak. I'm anthropologist and author Veronica Kieran, and I am building an interview archive of stories and anecdotes that define this time in history to write a book preserving this experience for future generations. If you'd like to help preserve this moment in history for future generations, check out the show notes to sign up for an interview. At this stage in the pandemic, Alex is concerned about the way the general public is reacting to the virus, that it seems like people no longer care or that regulations are no longer necessary despite the virus still existing and mutating within the population. During the first summer of COVID in 2020, I kind of had this, um, you know, momentary outbreak of wanderlust where I thought, oh, I'll do, I'll drive across the country. I'll just hop in my car and do this whole like John Steinbeck and travels with Charlie kind of thing. And I got about as far as Macon, Georgia. And I realized like, I can't go anywhere. I can't talk to anyone. I can't just chat someone up in a coffee shop or a bar, like, cause I'm like a nosy, like historian person that like to just have those spontaneous interactions. And I was like, even in the hotel, I was like, should I like sanitize everything? Can I touch the floor? Like, and I thought, oh, this is a terrible idea. So that was like July, 2020. Since then though, I have traveled more than I would have expected, I guess. I was supposed to go on a trip at a certain point during the pandemic and I was standing in line for the um, flight at just maybe a few minutes before you get to the security line. I got a text saying that someone I was working with on the same shift was exposed. And I was like, okay, do I go through security? Do I get on the plane? Like. Do I cancel this whole trip or, you know, it was a very vexing and confusing thing, but um, it all ended up working out. I ran to the gate and frantically tried to talk to the gate agent and it was very understandable. They're basically irritated by people all the time, asking like really uh, nettlesome questions. And I was like, no, I actually have a serious thing to ask you about. Um, so they told me it's okay if I don't get on the flight and that I could rebook it. So yeah, I went and got a, um, a test as soon as possible and rebooked the flight for the next morning and everything was fine. I'm sure it was in January, 2020 that I first heard about COVID. It might have been earlier. I mean, I, I think there were some, you know, international news reports in December, but you know, I was coming of age at the time that SARS happened and everybody was freaking the geek out. And then, you know, not to say, not to minimize people who were harmed by SARS, but it didn't turn into a worldwide pandemic in the way that people feared. I think we all got kind of comfortable with this, like, well, it won't be that bad. So I wasn't taking it very seriously at first. Um, I don't know. I 
it wasn't until we got into February that I it it, it became clear that like this is going to be very bad. Um, I just heard a report. It was on the Daily, I think, the New York Times podcast about this uh, hospital in Italy and how the people were dying alone in their hospital rooms and their families were like outside in the parking lot but couldn't come in and see them and that was the first time i it hit me like oh wow this is really dark i guess i'm prone to a very um pessimistic outlook um on life and when everything was sort of falling apart in march 2020 i really felt like we're going into like mad max like this is going to be the unraveling of society and you know will just be reduced to like complete savagery <laughs> and i don't know i mean i i was i was very i just kind of went into this bunker mentality of like like everybody probably but like you go get lots of cans of black beans and bags of rice and <laughs> uh hope to survive the apocalypse i guess after a while yeah we all kind of got accustomed to this um, new normal, as they say, I guess. It's amazing how adaptable people are. I mean, by the summer of 2020, it was kind of like, this is just the way things are. And uh, I guess unless you were working in a hospital and you were risking your life every day, it just got to be something you're used to. Of course, I'm also teaching. So getting back in the classroom, it's not as hazardous as being a nurse or a doctor, but it was somewhat, um, yeah, uh, concerning. I just didn't really know like what would keep our students safe, what would keep me safe, what would keep my family and friends safe, and, it, and that became a very controversial and difficult issue. Well, for one thing, in the state where I live in the United States, um, they started the lockdown later than almost everyone and ended it sooner than everyone, I think. Like, by the middle of April or something, our official lockdown was over, April 2020. So it's like, oh, the the governor of the state was trying to make a big political point by showing how Trumpy he could be and putting the lives of literally millions of people at risk, but they don't care about that. Some of us were back in the classroom in August, not everybody. They definitely expanded the number of online courses beyond what we've ever done before. We'd had online courses in the past, but most of us are very traditionally minded as far as uh, pedagogy and teaching goes, and most of us are resistant to change. And so we didn't really want to do online classes in years past, but they expanded a lot of online courses. Fortunately, I think they were able to assign people who might be in a more immunocompromised situation to be in the online courses. Like I have a friend who um, their partner has been extremely ill for years. And like, if he brought anything home with him, then that could be the end of, of both of them maybe, but especially his partner. And the idea that, that he'd be frog marched back into the classroom just seemed mind boggling. So I think we found some ways to make some reasonable accommodations. Having said that, a lot of us were back in the classroom. I guess I probably would comment more on um, the Southeast because that's where I've spent most of the time until like the last week. You know, in the, in the major metropolitan areas like Atlanta or Charlotte, um, people have been fairly um, compliant or mindful. 
with the safeguards of wearing masks and stuff like that. Um, but if you get 10 miles, five miles outside of a city, it's it's like you're in the twilight zone. Like the first time I went back to North Carolina um, for a visit in May of 2020, it was just like, there's no pandemic happening. No one's wearing a mask. If I go into a gas station wearing a mask, I think I might get attacked. It sounds melodramatic, but like once you're in that situation where you're literally the only person wearing a mask and it's a very polarized political climate, I just, I was shocked. It's hard to fathom. And it's been like that. I think by the fall of 2020, people in North Carolina, I started seeing at least a few people wearing masks. I think people started to realize how serious it was, but not really, to be honest. I mean, really, like, it's cuckoo, la la land. Nobody seemed to take it seriously. I have to say I stopped looking at the case numbers a while ago because it just, I'm, when Delta sort of rolled through, it's like, this is just getting worse. I guess it's probably, in some ways, in terms of cases, it's, uh, worse than it's ever been at this point, but this is um, February 2022. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, when you look at the the graph, the line, I mean, it's sky high. It's It makes March 2020 look like nothing. But then it also feels like this thing is not as severe too. I don't know if it's just people getting used to it or um, the, the illnesses and the deaths are invisible to people. Um, I don't know. Well, it made me lose trust in a lot of institutions. Um, not to say I had a, a ton to start with, but I've been very disappointed in other people. I've been disappointed in the systems, especially here in the United States and especially in the South. Although at the same time, I don't know that anybody in America has handled this well. I mean, really like Andrew Cuomo let like 10,000 seniors just die and covered it up. So that's... Um, that's a blue state, as they say. I guess I have definitely been like lonely and depressed. <laughs> it just, uh, I didn't realize how much I needed to be around people. And I guess I always knew that I loved teaching. So like being in the classroom and having that dynamic with people was always very valuable to me. But I just, I don't know. I, I, I always thought of myself as more of an introvert or a loner. And then I realized that not like, not an island and um, it's put a strain on people's familial relationships just been a little gloomy in general right i mean that's kind of a mild way of putting this huge catastrophe that's destroyed people's lives but i guess it's the fact that you have no idea when it's ever going to end if there was an end point in view then maybe we could ride it out and be less frustrated but it's just had this quality of infinity i guess I think this is something that a lot of people have experienced or realized is that you really can have pretty meaningful and substantial relationships with people who are far away. There are friends of mine that had moved to California or Florida or wherever, and it's like, well, I don't see them anymore. So we still like each other. We're still friends. We might, if they come back to town, we'll definitely hang out. And I ended up really deepening my relationships with a lot of folks because it's like, well, if everything's on Zoom, then We'll watch movies together on Zoom. That was that's become like a really sweet thing about the whole experience is finding these ways to adapt. Um, I have a group of friends that are mostly in New York and North Carolina, and we would 
until recently, until very recently, every Friday night at 8 p.m., we would be on a big Zoom call together. And that was very meaningful, especially early on when we were all just kind of so freaked out and so lonely. Now that people's lives have started adjusting back to being a little bit normal, people are going out more. And so you're not necessarily home at 8 p.m. on Friday. But really, I mean, for almost two years, we did it every single uh, week. So there are those nice adaptations that have been facilitated by technology. Technology has changed teaching. I mean, there are online courses I've taught online. It's such a different experience um, doing a, a synchronous online course. So um, you're talking to students the way that we're talking right now. I don't know. It's been, it's it's made us uh, be more adaptable and creative and try some things we might not have wanted to try before. Sometimes it feels like you're the host of like a call-in like radio show with students. You know, it's like, okay, uh, Miranda and Marietta, what's on your mind? Then you're just not calling on students in the class. I guess technology has been a mostly helpful thing in this experience. There was a day, it was like March 1st of 2020, and I was in um, North Carolina for the first birthday of my niece. And um, this big family gathering, it was in this beautiful park in Raleigh. Um, I, I feel like I've changed the memory in my mind to be maybe rosier, but it was a beautiful day. People were eating, they were close together. It was sunny, it was warm, just idyllic, just like something from a movie. And I would then had to fly back to Atlanta. It's like a complicated journey of how we were organizing all this. But on the way back, I started to feel like, oh yeah, this is, this is not, this is gonna be bad. And we might not get to do this again. And we haven't, you know? There was also a moment um, when I was teaching and this was in the middle of March, the students, um, you know, I sort of asked me what was, what was going to happen. And I said, well, there is a possibility that we might have to go online. I'm not saying it's for certain, but um, you definitely, that, that is possible. And within like a few days, everything shut down. Like, and it's like, oh yeah, we're not, I, I can't believe that on Wednesday, I thought that there is a possibility that we might shut down. Uh, and then, you know, the stock market is falling through the floor at a rate that they had to actually shut it down because like, um, the, yeah, it just happened so suddenly. It, it feels like it was sudden, but I guess over the course of several months, it did unfold and it didn't happen all at once. But at the time, I guess it just didn't understand, um, even right up to the like, moment of the lockdown. Thank you for listening. Subscribe so that you don't miss an interview. I interview multiple people a week and I am releasing these episodes as fast as I can. And if the story meant something to you, share it because it will probably mean something to someone else. Every time you share the project, it helps the project grow. So thank you. Until next time. Stay safe, stay well.